Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. <laughs> Kia ora, everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by Wellness by Jessica. This episode is sponsored by Jessica from Wellness by Jessica. Jessica is a qualified nutritionist with over seven years experience working in women's health. She's an author and experienced clinician with a passion for fertility and pregnancy. Jessica works with women to help them better manage conditions like PMS, ovulation, endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome and thyroid issues and offers science-based preconception and pregnancy nutrition support. Jessica actually worked with our guest for this week, Sophie, and she supported her in her preconception and pregnancy health journey. So it was really awesome to hear Sophie's feedback on how working with Jess was. And I'm just super grateful to Jess from Wellness by Jessica for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I would love for you to go and show Jessica some support for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Her Instagram is at Wellness by Jessica and Facebook Wellness by Jessica Official. In this week's episode, I speak with Sophie and she takes us through the birth story of her daughter. And Sophie takes us through how she had planned to have, you know, a really positive hypnobirthing experience. And that's what she had really hoped for in her birth. But equally, she'd also planned her birth preferences for a C-section just in case. And it's just as well she did because she ended up having a C-section for this birth. She didn't really progress past five centimeters. And that's why her C-section was sort of came about. Rory ended up being born £9.7. Sophie then experienced cellulitis after her birth, so she takes us through that, and she talks us through their postpartum journey, including how she experienced the baby blues at 7pm every night, which I think a lot of us will be able to relate to in some way. She talks us through their breastfeeding journey, and then also their return to intimacy post-birth. So I will let Sophie do the talking, but I hope you love the episode. And another huge thank you to Wellness by Jessica for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Let's jump into it. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Sophie Tarval. I'm 29 today at the day we're recording this. Um, <laughs> it's my birthday and I live in Auckland with my partner, Rupert, and my beautiful little girl, Rory, who's just turned nine months. Awesome and happy birthday. Thank you for joining me on your birthday. Oh, thank you for having me. It's um, one of my birthday wishes come true, so I'm really excited to be <laughs> um, talking to you today. Awesome. Very cool. And do you want to take us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you guys? Yeah, sure. So um, in January 2019, um, I came off the pill. I didn't actually come off because um, Rupa and I were planning for a family. Um, it just wasn't agreeing with me anymore, even though I'd been on it for about seven years. Um, yeah. 
um, because Rupert and I had been together about eight years at the time, so coming up eight years. So it just felt time to sort of come off it and maybe just prepare for a family, even if it wasn't on the cards, what we thought for, for a little while. Um, and then in April, we sort of thought, okay, let's start trying. Um, and I was really, really lucky that it happened um, really fast for us. And I fell pregnant that first month. Um, I was, we were supposed to be um, not really trying, um, but I did <laughs> use ovulation testics and I got really into the whole <laughs> trying to conceive videos on YouTube um, and a lot yeah. of um, research on how to conceive and things. And I was tracking my cycles on the Ovia app um, for a couple yeah. of months. So it just sort of, sort of, sort of happened really quickly, which I, I know doesn't happen for everyone. So I feel really fortunate um, that it happened for us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And where did you get the ovulation testing stuff from? I know we often talk about the tracking apps that you can get, but um, not so much about the at-home ovulation test. So do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, I literally just got them from the chemist. Um, you can get them, they're like ovulation test sticks. I think I got maybe, they, they come in a pack of 20. And then there's also like three pregnancy test sticks that come. They, they look like really cheap pregnancy tests. Um, and I just thought, oh, let's just give this a whirl. And I didn't actually think they were working at the time um, when we were trying in that first month, but apparently they did because I fell pregnant <laughs> straight away. Um, and I, yeah. I sort of dated them all um, and took pictures so I could, well, because so I could track them for the following months if we didn't get pregnant, yeah. but it never actually, I never needed to, which was really yeah. lucky. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And how did you find out that you were pregnant and then did you miss a period or you had other early symptoms? So um, on a Friday lunch, it was only a couple of weeks after my last period. It was really probably too early to be able to find out, but it was a Friday lunchtime and I um, went and got a blood test um, because one of my best friends is Jess from Wellness by Jessica. Um, and she's actually Rory's uh, one of Rory's godparents as well um, awesome. and she said yeah she said go and get a blood test and let's just see how your bloods are and see what we need to do um, even if you're not pregnant um, because it was what I thought was too early um, and I couldn't wait for the blood test results because it was Friday and I knew I'd have to wait until the Monday so I went and picked up um, a pregnancy test uh, that afternoon and took it home and I texted Rupert and said oh I really want to take this test I know it's really early um, but let's do it anyway. So I got home and managed to talk him into it because he <laughs> really thought it was too early. Um, and he always really wanted to be there um, to see whether I was pregnant or not, even if even if it wasn't positive. Um, and so I took the cheap one to begin with, left it on the kitchen bench for f a good five minutes because I wanted to be sure. And then I went out and brought it in and I saw I saw a really faint second line and I said, I got really excited. I said, oh my God, look at this, look at this. It's a faint, it's faint, it's so faint, but it's it's positive, it's positive. Oh my God. He's, and Rupert was like, calm down. You're getting too excited. Just, I think it's negative. Just go and take the expensive one. So I rushed back and I took three more of the cheap ones and the expensive test. Um, and that one came back positive and um, I was just dancing around the living room screaming um, mm -hmm. with excitement and then immediately called Jess because I wanted to tell her. And as I called Jess, um, she answered the phone 
and I said, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. She said, I know, because I just read your blood, blood results. So she oh. knew before me um, that oh I was pregnant. God. So it was like this, yeah, this really special moment where she was on the phone and I was crying and Rupert was sitting dumbfounded and in shock <laughs> and pacing around the hall. So, um, yeah, it was a really cool way to find out and all the more special that, um, yeah, Jess was kind of part of it as well. Yeah, awesome. She's a good friend to have um, in terms of hormones and everything that you should be doing pre and during and post-pregnancy, I'm sure. Yeah, she set me up really well. Um, even even though we weren't trying, um, we didn't know we were trying for a few months, she still kind of put me on the prenatal vitamins and checked my bloods. Um, so yeah, it, it, she was awesome and a really good source of information. Her Instagram always gives me information every time I see her. Yeah, I me too. Her and her brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 she's amazing. Awesome. Very cool. And what was that first trimester like? Did you have many pregnancy symptoms? Yeah, I was really unwell um, from about eight weeks to 16 weeks. Um, so I was nauseous all day. i as many people say, I don't know why they call it morning sickness. It was all day for me. On my worst day, I threw up, I think, 10 times. Um, that was just the worst day. And I wasn't able to go in the supermarket or look in the pantry for about two months. Um, so Rupert did all the supermarket shopping for <laughs> us um, and all the cooking. And I basically lived off noodles, crackers, and ginger yeah. slice for the first couple of months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Homemade ginger slice from um, my mother-in-law was great. Very nice. Um, I remember my mum made, uh, we went down to Hamilton to see mum. I think I was about nine weeks pregnant and she, I don't know why, she's never made salmon before, but she decided that she'd make, make baked salmon for us. And I got there and I was like, I just couldn't deal with the smell. And she knows that I love salmon. She was like, why are you not eating this? This is so strange. So um, we're um, cleaning the dishes and she said, um, you don't think we'll be taking someone else to England next year with us, do you? Because we <laughs> planned a trip to the to the UK this year, um, but because of COVID, we weren't able to go to back to see our family. And I said, yes, you know, I'm pregnant. And so she knew straight away from the sickness um, yeah. that I was, that I wasn't well, um, that I was pregnant. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? Did you find out the sex and everything like that? So we didn't find out the gender. Um, I wanted it to be one of those really awesome surprises um, at the end. Yeah. Uh, usually I like to know everything, but I just felt like with the gender, it was just that one of the biggest surprises that yeah. you'll ever have in your life. Um, definitely for the second, if we're lucky enough to have one, um, I'll find out the gender because I wanted both experiences. <laughs> but for yeah. Rory, we just wanted to wait. And I really wanted a girl. I know we're not supposed to say that, but I really, really wanted a girl. And um, I thought it was a boy. Um, so the fact that she was a girl was, was just amazing. I yeah. feel so blessed to have her. Um, we did do um, uh, the NIPT test oh, yeah. um, at 10 weeks. So it's a chromosomal abnormalities test. Um, and it also um, looks for microdeletions in trisomy 16 and 22. Um, so the results came back at 12 weeks. Um, just that that was all clear. Um, and then we also did all of the other standard testing. Um, we just wanted to have kind of that extra layer of information, yeah. I guess, early on. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. And did you have uh, many other symptoms, obviously, other than a growing bump um, throughout the rest of your pregnancy? Like, how did you find it? 
I found the first trimester hardest, the second trimester second hardest, and the third trimester easiest, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I think along the way of pregnancy, you you sort of forget all of the um, things that happen and the the pains and the um, the growth and everything that the uncomfortableness of it because yeah. you have this beautiful baby at the end. But um, I'm definitely not one of those people that loved being pregnant. Yeah. Um, I thought that I'd be all glowy and it would be amazing, but it definitely wasn't that for me. Um, but now I look back and think, oh my goodness, I, I grew a human. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, the yeah. other thing was that she was from 20 weeks, she was always on the, um, the larger end. So she was what they call LGA, large for gestational age. Um, so from 20 weeks, she was always in the 95th percentile. Yeah. Um, so we had extra growth scans from 20 weeks and I had to take two GTT tests, those really long um, gestational diabetes tests, just to mm -hmm. double check that, um, yeah, that that I didn't have that, which I didn't have um, gestational diabetes, luckily. She's just a, a lovely chubby bubby. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Cool. And were you under the care of a midwife? Yes, yeah, I um, really early on knew that I wanted to have a midwife, um, but the my LMC actually wasn't there for the birth. We had a backup midwife and yeah. a student midwife as well. Um, but yeah, we went down the mid midwife route. Cool, awesome. And did you do antenatal classes or any other sort of birth education or research before your labour? Yep, we did an antenatal class with a couple of friends. So I'm really lucky that quite a few friends of mine were pregnant around the same time, um, which was amazing to have kind of strength in other people around you yeah. and your friends that are going through similar things. Um, and I did a hypnobirthing course as well. And I also listened to birth affirmations on um, Spotify every oh, nice. morning yeah. and afternoon on the way to and from work. So um just really positive affirmations about the birthing experience and I knew them all off by heart by the end mm -hmm. um, and then I also did um, a breastfeeding course at Waitakere Hospital um, because it was one of my I didn't really mind how my birth went I really wanted a um, hypnobirth vaginal drug-free birth but I was more focused on being able to breastfeed um, at, at the other end of the birth I guess yeah. because my mum wasn't able to breastfeed and it was it just was something that I always really wanted to do so yeah. I made sure I did a lot of research on breastfeeding yeah awesome cool and you've sort of covered um, I guess what you thought around a birth plan or thoughts on how you wanted that to go but did you speak much with your midwife about different options and um, how did you sort of approach that did you plan on going to the hospital or the birth center what were your thoughts there yeah, I plan to stay at home as long as possible um, and manage at home and then go into the hospital. Um, and I actually had written up um, a birth plan for my birth. I actually called it birth preferences for a vaginal birth and for a cesarean if I needed it. So I was quite aware that a plan never really goes to plan, yeah. especially in birth. Um, so I wanted both options for if it came to that, especially if it came really quickly and I didn't really have much of a choice. Mm -hmm if I needed to go into surgery. Um, and so they were all written out and typed out um, and printed. And I'd planned to have an early discharge and um, <laughs> not go to birth care. I just wanted to be home and be with um, my baby. But of course, um, all births don't go to plan. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, it went a bit differently to that. But I, I completely love my birth and everything about it. So even though yeah. it was a, um, 
it ended up being a cesarean, which I'll talk about shortly. It was it was a what I think is a really beautiful birth. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And just before we jump into your birth story, did you do anything in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea or perennial massage, anything like that? Yeah, I did every. I did everything, <laughs> and I looked back at my. Um, I looked back at my journal that I wrote and I, I wrote, I have officially tried everything to get moving. <laughs> this is, a, I think, one day overdue. So I did, I had three stretch and sweeps. I took natural birth drops, nipple stimulation. I did do antenatal expressing. Um, and I was actually really lucky that from 36 weeks, I managed to ex- antenatally express a lot. Um, so I had probably... Um, 100 mils of colostrum in the freezer by the time I was ready to go to, to um, hospital um, to give birth. Um, so that was that was awesome. Uh, and I think that really set me up well for my breastfeeding journey as well. Yeah. And then I tried the spicy curries, the bouncing on the birth ball walks, curve walking, which you feel ridiculous doing. Yeah, you're doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did raspberry leaf tea and tinned pineapple um, and I, I wrote in my journal, nothing has worked. It's all lies. One can only <laughs> laugh. Otherwise, I'll cry again. <laughs> so that's how I was feeling. Only one day overdue. And I went six days overdue. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. And do you want to take us through um, your labor starting then? Did it start spontaneously? And how far along were you? Yeah. So I was 40 weeks and four days. Um, it was a Wednesday. And I did um, prenatal yoga all through my pregnancy Um, so I had prenatal yoga on the Wednesday night Um, at midday on the Wednesday I went to the hospital and they offered me an elective cesarean because Rory was measuring so big Mm -hmm. Um, so I declined the the elective cesarean because I thought no no I want to do it all naturally and without drugs Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so they gave me that final stretch and sweep on that Wednesday lunchtime and then throughout the afternoon I sort of had that crampy period pain feeling um and the night before that I actually couldn't sleep from 3 till 6 a.m so I feel like that maybe was my body getting ready for labor um I walked to yoga and I walked home from yoga that night and the cramping continued throughout the evening and then that night as well I only slept two to three hours so I'd had not really much sleep at all Mm. Um, and I think that was my body preparing myself to go into labour on the Thursday morning that was a whole night of cramping the night before my I called my mum to come up from Hamilton um, and then laboured at home all of Thursday I had the TENS machine going which was a lifesaver and I was doing the hypnobirthing and my breathing and kind of jumping in and out of the bath um, and just yeah trying to keep myself as comfortable as possible um, at two o'clock, my midwife um, came and did a home visit, which was really nice. It didn't mean that I didn't have to kind of go anywhere, but it was the backup midwife um, and the student midwife as well. Um, and they checked me and said that I was two centimetres dilated. Um, so that was sort of like, oh, you know, we're a little bit there, but we've got a ways to go. And then at six o'clock, I was really struggling with the pain and vomiting and, you know, I hadn't had that much sleep. So I called the midwife and she said okay go into hospital so we got there at 8 30 and then started on the gas in air which was 
amazing. <laughs> like it, it, it was a lifesaver for me. So I had the tens going on my back and then the gas and air. And it, it, I was saying some hilarious things apparently on the gas and air, but yeah. <laughs> that really, really worked for me. Um, and then at nine, they che- nine o'clock at night, they checked me, but I was only one centimeter dilated, which was really um, a real challenge for me mentally yeah. because I'd been two centimeters earlier in the afternoon. And then to be told you're one centimeter, I felt really deflated. Um, and then I also had taken all of my um, syringes to hospital um, with my colostrum in it as well. So um, I later found out that they'd put them in the fridge instead of in the freezer. And mm. so all of that colostrum was not able to be used and I was absolutely devastated. Mm. Um, but yeah, but anyway, back, back to the story. Um, I got pethidine that prescribed that night with some IV fluids just because I was really struggling and I needed to get some rest. Obviously, I wasn't progressing as fast as I thought that I would. Um, And then at midnight, my waters broke um, and they gave me another dose of pethidine just to keep me comfortable throughout the night. Um, And there was really no change throughout the night apart from my waters breaking. Um, The next morning... I got in the pool at about 10 o'clock, which was just beautiful. I think if I had the option, I would have loved to have done a water birth. Um, Looking back on it now, it was just, that was probably the most beautiful experience, kind of time of the whole birth experience was being in the pool with my mum on one side of me and then Rupert on the other. And I just remember looking at him and saying, we're going to meet our baby Mm. soon. And we're all crying. And it was just, just the most special, special time. Um, so yeah, throughout, throughout, so this is Friday now, throughout Friday, I was going between the shower, uh, the pool and using my TENS machine. Cause I, obviously you can't use the TENS machine in the shower, which I, I was really struggling. It was like getting in the shower and then getting out the shower and then trying to get dry. I'm like, put the TENS machine <laughs> on so quickly between contractions. Um, and then I, I was just really struggling with the exhaustion by Friday lunchtime. And finally, I got to five centimeters and they offered me the epidural. And I was just like, yep, give, give it to me. I've had basically no sleep. I'm exhausted okay. and I'm only five centimeters. It's only going to get harder from here. Um, and the epidural just was just the best relief ever. It was amazing. Yeah. As from someone who wanted a really um, drug-free vaginal birth, the epidural was just for me a lifesaver um and I did use the hypnobirthing practices throughout that latent phase um and that really helped me especially when I was at home um before I got the gas in air um but yeah the epidural for me just really helped my mental state at that moment um especially because I felt like it was such a long time um my contractions never synced up. So while I wasn't dilating, they never got into a regular pattern either. Um, and even though they hooked me up to Syntocin while I had the epidural, they never got into a regular pattern. Um, and so by five o'clock on the Friday, they were a bit worried about the slow progress and then worried about um, Rory. So they offered me a cesarean, which after a couple of days in labor, I thought was probably the best option. Um, and that's where that birth, um, the birth preferences for the cesarean really helped. Having that sheet of paper, I crossed things out that I didn't want anymore. I added some things in um, that I wanted. And it just, it was all there and it was prepared. And that really helped me to think, yep, this is the right decision for our family and our baby. 
so um, they offered me the cesarean and we went in, wheeled me in. Um, and it actually was a really beautiful experience, more than I thought that a cesarean was going to be. Yeah. Um, they had they had kind of some music playing. They offered uh, they offered us to have um, our own music, but I thought no, just just leave it. Whatever comes on comes on. Um, and all the staff were amazing, and they cut me open and you know put the curtain up, put your arms down, and um, yeah, bit of pressure. And then Rory was born, um, and we didn't know her gender obviously, and also we hadn't chosen the music, and the music was it was the most amazing experience the song came on by Backstreet Boys which is I Want It That Way mm-hmm. and the song is a song that Rupert and I sing a lot at the rugby club when we've had a few drinks so the fact that it came <laughs> on when she was being born the doc the, the surgeon said is this song okay and I was like it's good it's good get her out get oh, I said get it out get it out get it out um and she's like it's okay we've got three minutes I she'll be born oh it'll be born soon um and then um, I couldn't see Rory when they pulled her out of my tummy um, because her cord was quite short. Um, and I was really lucky that one of the midwives was taking photos. So I have live photos of her birth, which um, so I can look back on, on them, which is amazing. And Rupert whispered to me because he could see what she was. And he said, I'm the smartest man <laughs> alive. Um, because he had, he had thought the whole time that, she was a girl um and I was fighting him saying no I think she's a boy the whole pregnancy so I just knew in that moment I just started sobbing and um I could hear her screaming so I knew she was okay and the anaesthetist was saying um you know she's fine she's fine I was like I know she's fine she's crying I can hear I have a girl yeah it was it was just really a really beautiful experience so she had the vitamin k injection um and at the time, I said to Rupert, you know, go be with her, go be with her. Um, the doctor had had noticed like a, a this is quite gross, but a, a funky smell coming from my waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd said that um, there was an infection in my waters, which turned out to be chorioamnioitis, I think is the correct term. Um, and I think looking back, it was probably from all of the um, internal examinations I had. Yeah. So if I were to do it again, I'd not get those three stretch and sweeps and also ask for minimal intervention mm. because I think that all contributed to having having that infection. Um, and then they wheeled me into um, recovery. I, I don't think we had skin to skin um, while I was on the in the operating room. It's all quite fuzzy because of all of the mm. drugs and the gas and air and, and things. But I definitely remember when we got into recovery, um, they took my top off and we did skin to skin and we tried the first latch. And when we were in the recovery room, we had these nurses come in and they said, gosh, you've got quite a big um, like waiting party outside. And I was like, no, no, it's just my mum. You know, it's just mum out there. And she said, no, there's quite, a, there's quite a few people waiting for you. And I was like, no, I don't, I really don't think so. Um, and it turns out that my auntie was there, my mum, my um, who else is there? My dad, my stepmom, my my little brother who was ten, and um, my I think my in-laws were there as well. Um, Rupert's parents. So we had a lot of people waiting for us out there. To, and so when they wheeled us out of recovery, um, you know, everyone was there to greet her, which was really beautiful. It was seven o'clock in the evening. Bang on the dot, she was born. So um, yeah, it was nice to have everyone out there waiting for yeah. us to meet her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, awesome. Very cool. And how did she go with that first latch? 
She was good from what I remember. Um, I had a bit of grazing on my nipples from the first few days, but I also um, used um, nipple cream, literally my whole pregnancy. So I would put nipple cream on my nipples from, I think, 20 weeks every morning. And I just thought in my head that that would help. I don't know why that would help with breastfeeding because my nipples would, I don't know, somehow be softer, (laughs) I'm not sure, or more prepared. So um, I did get a little bit of grazing, but nothing too too bad in those first few days. And the first latch was a bit awkward, but um, yeah, she, I think she went on pretty okay. Um, But the midwives in the hospital were really great those first few few days and came and helped every time I had a feed, which was awesome. Awesome. Very cool. And what were the next few days like? How long did you spend in hospital? And yeah, how did you find that? Yeah, so it was quite full on. So the next morning I noticed that under my scar um, was really red and puffy. um, And that turned out to be cellulitis. So I'd had that infection in my waters. And then it turned out that I had cellulitis under my scar. Um, So I was put on IV antibiotics. And at that time, I thought, oh, I, I wanted to go to the Helensville Birthing Centre, but because I had the infection, they weren't keen mm-hmm. for me to go. So we ended up in hospital for three nights, I think. Yeah. Up. And yeah, yeah, it was, the infection got better with the antibiotics, but I was on, after the IV antibiotics, I was on um, just oral antibiotics for about two weeks um, because it kind of kept coming back. Um, and we had like lots of visitors in the hospital, which is good, but a little bit yeah. overwhelming at times but you know she was first baby in a, in a while in the family so um, trying just to get up and down out of the hospital bed after a cesarean and quite a long labour is was yeah. quite hard yeah yeah I remember yeah. that um, feeling of, of trying to get out of out of bed after a cesarean it's hard work it's so hard and you're trying to sort of like find find ways to get yeah. up um and just push yourself up, but not yeah. hurt. And I was still hopped up on quite a few drugs. And I, re- I didn't change a single nappy in the hospital. Rupert luckily was able to stay with me. We were in a private room. So he stayed with me the, the whole time. So I didn't change a single one of Rory's nappies at all. <laughs> and I just had to lie there and only get up when, um, when um, our friends and family visited really. But yeah, it was... It was. It's hard, you know. You've just had major surgery, and all of the hormones are rushing through you with with this love rush. And yeah, I'm I'm really lucky that Rupert was able to be there and just hand me mm-hmm. her and get you know hand her to me, and we would feed, and then he change her, and yeah, that was it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, awesome. And how did you find going home? And obviously, um, you've got this new beautiful baby that you're bringing home, and. How did you find that first week? Did you notice any of the baby blues and what was your experience with your milk coming in? How was all of that? Yeah, the milk coming in was pretty intense. Um, I just remember my boobs being rock hard and then anytime she'd feed, it would just feel like instant relief. I had that little bit of nipple grazing, but she got the hang of breastfeeding pretty quickly, which to me was amazing and something that you know, I, I really, really wanted to try it, but we were really lucky that we had quite an easy journey with feeding and my milk did come in and I had quite a good supply um, straight off the bat. So she's still nine months and she's obviously on solids now, but still exclusively breastfeeding. Um, so we, we've had a really good breastfeeding journey. I've been, I've been really, really lucky with that. Um, and yeah, I do think that antenatal expressing really helped. Um, in terms of the baby blues, 
it is so funny. Literally at 6 p.m. every evening, I would get this rush of emotion mm -hmm. and um, anxiety and love, and I would just bore my yeah. eyes out every night at 6 p.m. from about day three till maybe the week <laughs> two. Um, and the only thing that would work for me was Rupert sent me to the shower and said, you need to go, calm, calm down, I've got her, I'll look after Rory, you go and just just kind of de-stress and yeah, have some time for you. Um, and that was just a lifesaver yeah. for me. That shower was like my lifeline mm. at that point every night. Um, yeah, but after, I think it just stopped, it's funny, all these things kind of happens and happen in phases and it just randomly all of a sudden one day <laughs> stopped. Um, and then I didn't need my 7 p.m. showers anymore and they swapped for the morning. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, I think yeah. reflecting on that period, you're definitely right. It is, it is often phases, particularly with the baby blues. I know it's probably quite different with postpartum depression, but with the baby blues, it's one of those things that you're, you're so in the thick of it and then all of a sudden it's like your hormones maybe just sort themselves out a little bit and you feel this um, totally different feeling. So, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's just it was bizarre, <laughs> yeah. like just that switch, complete yeah. switch. Yeah, and and you're right with I I've um yeah I I didn't get postpartum depression, but you know you're certainly always on the lookout for yeah. those symptoms when you're feeling yeah. that way. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was lucky. Yeah, awesome. And where was Rory sleeping? Was she in your room in a bassinet or in your bed or in her own room? How was that set up? Um, in the daytime, she was in on the kind of on one of those uh, yeah. pod things on the couch with me. So I, I'm always watching her. I know it's um, you have to kind of always watch them mm. when they're in that. But then at night, she was in a bassinet next to us. Um, yeah, right from the beginning. And then at, we had that four month sleep regression, and she came <laughs> into bed with us for a month. And then we um, then she went back into her into her cot after that but yeah in the beginning she was right next to me and Rupert and I actually had to swap sides of the bed so I could be yeah. close to her um yeah to get up and feed yeah. her in the night awesome very cool and how did you find your physical recovery from your c-section um because I had that infection I f I felt like it was quite hard um I remember getting the stitches out um and my midwife said oh that's the cleanest um scar that I've seen which made me feel quite good about that um but um I remember messaging a friend in the UK at like three o'clock in the morning at about week four and I just said she'd had a c-section and I just said how mm -hmm. long does this last it's I'm really struggling with not being able to move being confined to the house I can't drive anywhere I'm in constant pain um so that was the physical recovery was hard, but after about, I think, week six, it, it got better. I sort of got over that hump, and um, I think I was on painkillers for the first at least mm -hmm. two or three weeks. Um, and now I can – it's still quite numb around my scar, so I'm not sure if that's normal. I probably need to see a woman's yeah. health physio just about the scar recovery. Um, but I did see – I did – it was COVID at the time kind of kicking into the lockdown um, – at about that eight to 12 week mark. But I did Zoom a women's health physio um, at that time as well. And they gave me some Pilates um, oh, nice. to do and yeah. scar massage. So I did do some of that in the early stages, but I probably should revisit that. Yeah, I, um, I've i had an interesting conversation with a lady named Katie that I've had on the podcast a few times, who's a women's health physio. And she's shared some C-section scar um, 
massages that I should do way more of too because my scars are still still quite numb and Jai's almost a year old. So, yeah, I think um, definitely there's more that we can be doing, but it's just one of those things I feel like you add it to the list. <laughs> oh, I know. And and I think I was – like around the world, there, I think there's some countries that offer – um, postnatal yes. physios for for women who have given birth, and yeah. we just don't offer that here in New Zealand. And I, you know, it's sort of like you have all of the support um, while you're pregnant, and it's amazing that the midwife services were amazing, and the appointments, and your my birth, you know, at the, at the hospital giving birth, you have so much support, and then you go home, and it's like you have um, your midwife for the first. Six, weeks um and then plunk it but then all the focus shifts to the baby and we forget that your body has been through this incredibly traumatic Mm. um change and and experience (laughs) that it's never been through before so yeah we do need to i think give more attention and focus to ourselves um and our bodies to make sure that we're the best for our yeah, children for sure. as well. I definitely agree with that. And um, what about your emotional or mental recovery from birth? I guess um, you said that, you know, you loved your birth and you found your C-section really beautiful. And I can relate to that because I was the same, but do you think that you put that down to your sort of preparation and open-mindedness to the different aspects that can happen in labor and birth or do you feel like you've, felt really well educated around c-sections and maybe that contributed or what do you think that came down to yeah I think both um whilst I was really set in my mind on having that vaginal natural I hate saying natural drug free vaginal birth the fact that I had mentally prepared for any scenario I think really helped me enjoy the experience more so I remember even in the in the throes of contractions and the pain knowing that it was going to end, knowing Mm. that I'd have my baby at the end of it and whatever way I needed to get her there, um, I knew was going to be the right way and the way that she needed to get here. Um, Yeah, so I think the preparation and and I also just, this sounds really silly um, saying it out loud, but I feel like the whole birth experience was like the biggest test I've ever prepared for, Um, like this big Mm -hmm. exam that I needed to really study for and prepare for. and yeah, I just feel like the outcome of that allowed me to really enjoy that experience, even though it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to, to go. I know that it's how yeah. she needed to get yeah. here. Awesome. Cool. And we talked a little bit um, on the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram recently about postpartum or returning to um, intimacy postpartum. So do you want to talk us through what that experience has been like for you and Rupert and how you've found, um, yeah, I guess returning to intimacy post-birth? Yeah, so for us, we um, we waited until I think about eight weeks um, after Rory was born to yeah. be intimate again. Um, and that was just a time that we both felt comfortable, but it was um, a really positive experience for us. Um, I had quite a low libido throughout pregnancy, um, and also yeah. there's just so yeah. much happening with your body. And for me, it sort of it was more about um, you know growing Rory and making sure she was well taken care of than mm-hmm. I guess about me. Um, that's just me personally. Everyone has a different experience. So um, getting back to intimacy after birth. Um, was surprisingly easy for me. Um, I know that um, I, I was eight weeks after having had a major abdominal surgery, but I was really positive about my 
body. Um, and I, Rupert is just the most amazing partner and father to Rory. So I'm really lucky that he made me just feel so comfortable. And uh, it was it was a really beautiful experience and has continued to be, um, yeah. yeah, afterwards um, as well, after that first time. Um, there wasn't much pain for me, luckily. Um, and it was just, yeah, just really really yeah. great experience um, and I think um, we spoke about it earlier um, that it's often not spoken about those really positive experiences mm. particularly with intimacy post-birth I've heard a lot of stories that that women find it painful and um, I don't know that I've heard of anyone even really openly talk about it but also talk about mm. their positive experience so yeah I feel really grateful that I had that um, but I also put it down to having uh, an amazing yeah. partner um, who made me feel super comfortable. And yeah, yeah. Also, ease. I just wish yeah. that I could bottle that up and give it to everybody <laughs> so that, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, same. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because I know, I mean, even with vaginal births, it's so different because you've had, yeah. you know, everything's yeah. happened down there as well. So, um, and people with cesareans have different, um, you know, um, yeah, rates yeah. of recovery and things like that so yeah I yeah. think it's um yeah. definitely it's back. really interesting the different um experiences that we all have and I think yeah probably quite similar to you um I was really lucky with the sort of positive return to intimacy as well and now it's more just um when we're not too exhausted <laughs> we try to remember, remember the oh my gosh time I know. or try or, or trying to find yeah trying to find time between mm. like nap time yeah. and um, working <laughs> and things like that but um no it's important that you do make the time and um for me physical touch yeah. is really important um it's my love language so um yeah that even if you're not being intimate in in I guess the um sex aspect I still find intimacy you know is yeah. cuddling yeah. on the couch or chatting at 2am when you've just put the baby back down um, yeah. and things like that so there's different forms of intimacy um, and different levels depending on how comfortable you are or what time of day or night it is or how much sleep you've had with your bubba yeah yeah for sure I think that's a great reminder as well that it's not just sex right intimacy doesn't just mean um, having sex so that's a good reminder thank you Awesome. And is there anything else that you wanted to cover um, in regards to your birth story or your just your pregnancy, birth and postpartum journey in general? I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm the type of person that really likes to be prepared for something. And I found preparing for pregnancy and birth was just the most important thing for me to have that really positive mental attitude around yeah. um, my birth. Um and and breastfeeding as well like I don't underestimate how hard breastfeeding is for people and just for the the, the fact that I had that um that journey um has been really positive for me um I know that it's really hard for other people like my mum wasn't able to do mm. it she had mastitis um multiple times so um yeah I feel really fortunate for that but I feel like people have you know hard pregnancies and what people call easy births I don't think there's any type mm. of easy birth or they have an easy breastfeeding journey and then a really um, hard pregnancy. So no matter what journey you have, it's the right one. Well, I felt like it was the right one for me. And I hope that, you know, people who are listening that may be pregnant, um, whatever path you're on is sort of the right one for you yeah. and your, your baby or babies. Um, because, yeah, 
it, it can not go to plan um, <laughs> or go to plan and things happen and change and yeah yeah you might have a great sleeper and a not good feeder and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and everything's a phase everything changes but yeah I'm I, I just I yeah I love I love our little family and my little girl and I just feel like the luckiest person on earth that I get to um, wake up every morning to her gorgeous little face mm-hmm. it's she's just the biggest blessing and just hope everyone um wish everyone luck on their journeys as well yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on the podcast and particularly on your birthday. So I hope that you have um, enjoyed adding this podcast recording to your birthday. And yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey with us. So thank you. No, thank you so much. It was, um, like I said at the beginning, one of the best um, birthday presents (laughs) I could ask for is um, sharing my birth um, with your listeners because I've been listening since before I got pregnant. So (laughs) Um, and I really appreciate everyone's different birth, birth story and their experience. So, um, no, thank you for um, for providing this platform for women and men to um, to listen to different birth stories, and hopefully, um, people get something out of this one. Oh, I'm sure they will. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. I would love to see where you're listening, so feel free to take a screenshot and tag me in your Instagram stories at Kiwi Birth Tales. Another huge thank you to Jess from Wellness by Jessica for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really love the content that you are sharing and the messages that you're spreading, and I'm super grateful that you came on board this week to sponsor the podcast. So huge thank you to you, Jess. And I look forward to bringing you another awesome episode next week. So stay tuned.